Hey you, yeah you, come join our Discord. The Mixing Music Discord server is filled with tons of awesome information and people. People that can help you out and information that can help you grow your business and to help you improve your mixes. So come join us and find the invitation link at mixingmusicpodcast.com. One, two, three. Hello, and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and for this episode, unfortunately, Lou is not here with me. Um, He actually has been booked all month uh, with an artist of high caliber that has booked Lou for an entire month. So, unfortunately, he's not able to join me. He's a little busy, and we needed to do another episode. So, I thought I'd do one where um, it's a little bit more of my specialty, which is how to promote your music. You probably saw this in the title already. You probably, if you're listening to this, you're probably interested in how promotion of your music works, kind of the lies about it all, the truths about it all, the misconceptions, and things that you may not have thought of, as well as just kind of, in my perspective, as a marketing guy, as a media marketing guy, kind of what I feel about the entire thing and on a personal level, because the fact of the matter is, I have an artist. His name is Macon, and I brought him up and multiple times on the podcast. I brought him up multiple times on the podcast. He's one of my clients, one of my best friends. And we started this record label type deal, this relationship between him and I. And he was local out in Utah. He was very serious. He, to this day, I call him the person that earned my trust the fastest that I've ever met. And when I met him, not only was he the most selfless person that I've ever met in my life, um, he never asked me for anything. He never, ever even assumed any sort of entitlement of anything. He was willing to pay more than I was charging. He really respected my time, and he was there to genuinely help and be a friend. Not only that, but when we first started and made this deal together, when I learned to trust him, he had 16 monthly listeners on Spotify. And let me go in a little bit of history of Macon before this. I met Macon in January. Uh, December, January-ish, kind of like the seasons of 2019-20. But he has been an artist for three, four years. At one point, he was a professional soccer player. There's an entire interview um, about Macon, and for an hour, he goes up on his life. And he actually used to be a professional soccer player um, and had, quote-unquote, made it and became, you know, famous and wealthy from playing soccer. And and then because he made it so quickly and he, because he made it, he, he just wasn't satisfied. I guess he felt like he peaked a little bit too early. I don't know. But the point is he decided that music is something that's hard, that's difficult, and something that he wanted to do for the rest of his life. Because in soccer, you can get injured. But music, you can do forever. So the guy started writing music. This is about three, four, five years ago. Maybe he's been doing music longer than that. I don't really quite know. But the, but the point is he's been an artist for a long time. And he's done shows and he had some local cloud at some point, And then he stopped releasing music for like two years because the dude got self-conscious. He thought he was the best. He, or it was a combination of, you know, like thinking that he was too good. And then also a combination of, you know, being insecure, like not wondering why it's not working or whatever. Right. The dude met with me and we talked and, um, one of the big problems and hangups and that he got about a lot of complaints from fans and stuff is the mixes of his music. Now he's worked with many mix engineers and, um, this is no, this is no stab at anybody, but uh, apparently any of the people that he hired um, and he worked with never really gave him the confidence that he wanted. And he met me, and, and obviously he did, and the story goes well from there. But more importantly, um, 
when we started working together, I was able to be his therapist, you know, as, as I always say, the audio engineers are in the music world. We're kind of like, you know, our clients, therapists, tell him to get out of his head. You can stop overthinking. You're really good. I believe in you. I'm willing to put all my chips on the table for you. Let me sign you a deal. Okay, we did. All right. Now, as that was in January when we did that. And as of this week, my man's Macon has hit over 200,000 monthly listeners on, on Spotify alone. 200,000. Okay. Now, that may be low-key compared to someone like Drake. But at the same time, imagine this guy seven, eight months ago had 16 monthly listeners. I mean, I don't promote my music ever, and I think I have 30 <laughs> on my Spotify account. Like, the dude had no, like, leverage or how do you say, uh, he, he wasn't, he wasn't pulling any of the weight. Like, it just wasn't happening, and it was nothing other than he was in his own head. All right, so, we decided we were inspired. We're like, okay, let's, we love, we're both fans of Russ and Russ always talks about how he released one song a week and it was really hard work. And it, because he was consistent and he got a big following. So we're like, okay, let's invest in this. Okay. We're going to release one song a week. Sweet. We released one song a week. Now it is, uh, I think it's late thirties right now, week 38 or nine or something. And he's just been releasing music every single week, like crazy. Now I know what you're thinking. You might think, you might have thought right now, once a week, you got to be kidding me. I can't even write one song a week, let alone release one song a week. It's too much for you. And, that, and that's fine. It can ramp up to that level. But the point is, if you just started writing music, you probably can't do that right now. But there, this is just one of the concepts that I want to get into, which is the idea as a musician, you are not just a musician. You are a marketer, a businessman, and more importantly, a content creator. You create content. Now, let's imagine us as musicians, as producers, as engineers, as artists, whatever, right? Let's imagine that we instead somehow ended up deciding to start a YouTube channel. And it's about memes or whatever. It's about whatever you want to talk about, whatever you're passionate about. We start a YouTube channel, we just rant. Okay. Now, if I don't ever post a video, how can I ever complain that I don't have subscribers? In fact, we've all seen that YouTube video that has hundreds of millions of plays, but you look at the subscriber count and it's less than 3,000 because it was a super viral video. But viral videos and hit songs do not create fans necessarily, not long-lasting fans. Yes, you'll have fans for a year. Maybe, maybe you'll like, uh, maybe you keep like 3% of the fans, 10% of the fans that stay with you for maybe another couple years. But if you don't keep writing music, even if you have one hit song, you're, it's done. And this is why record labels are always trying to screw artists over. Because if you think about it from their perspective, they're taking a risk. Let's say you got a somewhat big hit Mimi song that's on TikTok. Now they want you to do more songs because that song was a hit. It was awesome. They're taking a risk that you can't do another hit song. Because it might have been lucky. Maybe you just can't. So there's a risk on their head. And they need to protect themselves. A lot of artists, this happens all the time in the label world. An artist gets signed, he gets cocky, spends all of his, you know, his money that he gets from the label as an advance, and then, you know, doesn't have the motivation to keep writing music. Now, the label is screwed, right? The label is screwed. Their one source of income is now gone, and they've invested a lot of money in this guy, and he just bought a bunch of chains. That's all he did. A bunch of drugs and chains. So, I understand where the labels are coming from. But you need to make content, and it doesn't have to be music. It does not have to be music. Let me, let me say what I said again. How can someone 
how can you expect anyone to subscribe to you as a person, as an artist, as a channel, as whatever, follow you, subscribe to you if you do not have content? You need to make videos. You need to make music. You need to make content. You have to make content. People want to see growth. People want to see you suck at the beginning and honestly be better at the end or, you know, during your journey. So that's the first thing, this idea that we are content creators. As musicians and artists, we are content creators. So treat your career as if you are a content creator, as if you are a YouTuber, a streamer, or whatever. As a podcaster, treat your music and your life as if you were one of these and model your art and your business like a content creator. You will see natural increase. Now, in the media podcasting, in the media uh, marketing world, this is there's a number or a statistic or pattern, a regular pattern that we see all the time. And that is if we were to see growth at the very beginning, when someone starts their career, decides to do music or start a YouTube channel, we'll see a big bump, typically because partially because the algorithm sees that, OK, you're a new user. So we want to get you you know, hyped on the thing. So the algorithm bumps your show, or your podcast or your whatever a little bit more. So you get a little bit more hype at the beginning and then it dies. And it's also partially because people share their music or their whatever, their content with their friends and family. And the friends and family share it and they're like, oh my gosh, awesome. And they check it out. And But they are not fans. They're, they're someone that supports you. And someone that supports you is not necessarily a fan. So the numbers die off pretty immediately. And then there's a very, 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 very long and very slow but consistent growth. Very slow. It, a lot of people quit before they even get to that point. Because they see their fans and their numbers drop off after the first initial part, okay? But then it goes for a very, very long time of almost nothing, very, very slowly, because it is an exponential curve. It's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful thing. With exponential curves, let's say 1.2 times 1 is 1.2, right? 2 times 2 is 4. But 2 times a million is 1 million. So makes sense. So a lot of people will have this very low multiplier, but that multiplier means nothing because they have very low numbers to begin with. And then by the time they start growing and their fan gets bigger, then they start growing faster. The faster, the more fans you have, the more faster that you grow, right? So that's why it's an exponential. We call it a J curve, and this is very normal in the content media world. Okay. So how can you expect to do anything if you aren't releasing content? Is what I already said. But as well as if you if you give up. You know, if, you, if you're relying on these numbers and you see a sudden drop and you get less motivated, that doesn't mean anything. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now if I gave up and saw my super low numbers the first few months that I started. Right? So why did you give up? Why Don't give up. That's, you can't give up. It's a beautiful thing, what we do, music. People need to hear your music. People need to hear what you have to say. You are a lot more interesting than you think you are. This, this is a genuine statement I've said once before. Like, you are a lot more interesting than you think you are. And you have value to give. You have a story to tell. And don't you ever for a minute even think that you don't. Because I know for a fact everybody has some kind of story or perspective to tell that may seem normal but may not. I, I don't know what to say. But let's go into the deeper meat of the, the growing your music. Okay, there's a few ways that you hear a lot on YouTube, on Instagram, on different things that you can do to grow your music. And the number one thing is obviously playlisting. Okay, playlisting is huge. It's very huge. There's a reason why if you want to grow your music, playlisting is one of the most common topics that comes up. All right, now how do you get on playlists? There's a couple different ways. The first way is algorithms. 
the algorithm will notice that there's a spike of viewings. And this is specific to Spotify. There's a spike of viewings when you release your song, and then it wants to see if it performs well, so it puts it in an algorithm if it, or in a playlist, in one of their own playlists, Spotify's playlist, which is huge, especially depending on what type of playlist it is. It could be very, very big. Okay, then it tries it out. If your song does not perform well on the playlist, it gets booted off immediately. Okay, But if it does well on the playlist, you will continue to grow. Now, you can't pay for this. Maybe sometimes there's connections out there that you know someone in the label or something like that, and they have some leverage, and they know someone, they can put you on a playlist. But as far as curated playlists from Spotify themselves, yeah, not really going to happen. Same with Apple, not really going to happen. Okay, but then how else can you get on playlists? Now, anybody can make a playlist on Spotify. Any user can. And some users, let's say if... uh, there's probably a super big YouTuber right now, like PewDiePie probably has a Spotify playlist. And just because it's PewDiePie, he probably has a lot of followers on his playlist. Now imagine getting onto PewDiePie's playlist. Now if his audience is also part of your targeted demographic, that would be huge for you. That would be, right? But I don't know, maybe it's not at the same time. So you, you can get onto any of these playlists. Now you want to get on playlists with a lot of followers, and to be honest, you also want everybody to put their, your music on their own playlist, so it's part of their normal routine. They listen to your music. Some of these playlists you can pay for. There's a lot of people that sell placements on and playlists, and some of it is very sketchy, and uh, you you don't want to be paying for it because a lot of these pay-for-placement type stuff um, doesn't really work because everybody else on the playlist is also playing to be pay- paying to be placed on the playlist, um, and everybody that's following the playlist is other artists that paid to p- be placed on the playlist. You know, it doesn't really help. It's not really helping your discoverability. Okay, but let's say that you hire an agency um, or there's online agencies. For example, Playlist Push. Playlist Push is a like a low-key agency type thing where they don't have a playlist you can buy placements in. What it is is you can pay them to pitch your songs to different playlists. And these playlists can say yes or no, okay? So their job is to just pitch. And I think with their stuff and their business, they have a guaranteed number of views or followers or something, depending on how much you pay, whatever, okay? It's awesome. But there's that's another option for you. Now, let me go, before I kind of say my overarching problem with this, let me go into the next thing, which is running ads. Now, you can pay to run ads, this is a tricky one. This is one of the big, big things that Macon has been doing. He's been pumping lots of money. He's been working harder than ever, you know, got working double shifts, got his full-time job, his business, everything. He's, he's, he's got money that he's spending all on running ads, and he's spending a lot of money on these ads, and he's pushing really hard with these ads. More importantly, you can't just run an ad. You can't set the age to 16. I think my fans are going to be 16 to 50 years old, and they're going to like music, and, and they're all over the world. No, nah, that's not targeted enough. You need to have very specific audience. For example, if you're trying to market um, Lil Xan, okay, or Juice World, right? Oh, man, those bad, bad group of names, but, or uh, I feel bad for bringing them up. Okay, let me, let me repeat that and say, let's say you're trying to promote, um, okay, Blueface, there you go. Let's say you're trying to promote Blueface, Okay. Is Blueface really going to be listened to by a majority of men, women? Is it going to be what age group? 
who is there like who is statistically more likely to enjoy Blueface's music? And I can tell you right now, right off the bat, 30 and up is probably not who you want to target. Okay? And their interest is probably not go-karting. Probably not. So you probably don't want to put that in the interests, right? Now, I don't want to get too much more specific because I don't want to assume things about Blueface and his brand, and I don't know anything. I don't see his analytics in front of me. But the, the point about ads is if you're going to run ads, it's got to be extremely targeted, very targeted. Who are you statistically going to entice the most people? Now, if I had to take a wild stab at Blueface's target market, I would say the age is anywhere between 16 to 25, 26, and it's going to be uh, both male and female. Their interests are going to be uh, clubs, going to be dancing. It's going to be just young people, uh, maybe. But I, I, I don't know how to get too specific because I don't have his numbers in front of me, which is a whole other point. But having analytics is very important to help you with running ads. That's the entire point. That's why companies, big companies, will pay so much money to have really good analytics. If you want to have a successful company, start a company that all they, all you do is collect analytics in a way that nobody else has. That's all you have to do, and you will be extremely wealthy and extremely successful because companies and businesses will pay so much money for these analytics. Because marketing is honestly 80% boring. It's 80% analytics because analytics is what you need to figure out where to put your energy into. How do I know what kind of what to target for Blueface's audience with ads if I have no idea what his analytics are? Okay, so there's a website called chartmetrics.com. Now, chartmetrics is awesome. It's like 140 bucks a month if you pay for the premium version, which I do. Right? It is absolutely phenomenal. It has the Spotify statistics and uh, uh, Amazon statistics, Apple Music statistics. It ha- if you can even, if you have a Wikipedia page that Macon does, like you could sync that up, and your YouTube channel and your SoundCloud, you could sync up all of your platforms, and it cross analyzes all of your analytics on all the platforms. Some of the analytics that you don't even find on Spotify for artists or Apple Music for artists or whatever. It's it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, and you can use it for a free demo and whatnot to check out where you are and see if you like it. But this Using seeing your analytics alone is a big part, but then knowing what to do with the analytics is the next part. But that's the thing. You gotta figure out who your audience is. You gotta find out who your image should be branded towards. Like if like if you know, if, if Juice World and Lizanne wasn't part of that whole like depressed rap thing, like you know, that emo rap thing, like maybe they wouldn't have gotten so big. Like they were figured they hit their target market so strong and so head on, and the label was so right to keep pushing that. Okay? It was, it's absolutely beautiful marketing, um, and we we see it every single day. Music grows and people get big. Now let's talk to you about. I want to talk to you about one concept in one of my favorite books of mine. I'm actually holding it in my hands right now. It's a book called Contagious by Jonah Berger. Now I think Jonah, if I'm not mistaken, Jonah is the youngest professor to ever teach at Harvard, um, and he's one of the marketing professors out there. Now Jonah Berger in this book, Contagious, he talks about. Um, why things catch on, why things go viral, what, what are some breakdowns of why things become popular. And one of the things that he talks about is social currency. Is it cool to know you? And I'm going to tell you right now, it is not 2008 anymore. It's not cool to know your band or to know your music if nobody else listens to you. If you are not famous, 
it is not cool to listen to you. It's not 2008 during the indie days when at the peak of the indie days when when everybody was trying to listen to an artist that nobody else knew. Everybody was trying to be the most niche and most random. I found this person off the, this tiny little speck of land in, in freaking Greenland and they made really awesome folk techno stuff. And no, it's not 2008 anymore, okay? Like, it's, there's social, you gotta have social currency. And if you are small, if you have less than 100,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, for example, okay? Now, if you have, you know, if you're on the upper end of that, maybe you're not so small. But at the same time, like, this is where you gotta judge. What is social currency? Social currency means that people are willing to pay, how do you say, like, pay money or, pay value or pay time to you because it's cool. For example, me as a nobody, if I started making music tomorrow and I told all my friends, listen to my music, it's so dope, they're going to listen to it because they're my friends. But what are they doing me? What are they doing? They're, they're giving me value. They're listening to my, my music because they're my friend. They're, they're giving, you know? They're not taking. There's no value from listening to my music. It's not cool to listen to me because I'm, not, I'm a nobody. All right, let's go to now Macon. Macon now has, has over 200,000 monthly listeners and has built a brand. And more importantly, he has grown super fast and he's got a lot of fans and he's doing really well. Right now, everybody in Utah is a fan of Macon and wants to see Macon succeed. And more importantly, right now, Macon has a lot of social value. If I wear your band's t-shirt tomorrow, nobody's going to recognize it. you know. But if, if, if I saw someone wearing a Macon t-shirt right now, I'd be like, that guy's cool. I know, because listening to Macon is cool. Do you think listening to an artist, for example, why do you think DaBaby was so, got so popular, right? DaBaby is an artist that is amazing. Sure, fine. But um, if, he was, if he only had 100 monthly listeners, would you listen to him? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you would. But if he was your friend, would you listen to him? No, I don't know. But it's the fact that he's a big deal. Like the fact that you are, he has social currency. He's, he is, tr knowing him and listening to his music makes people feel cool and makes people feel like they're part of something bigger than them. Because it is cool and normal and popular to listen to baby, right? Everybody that's at a lower level has absolutely no social currency. You have, they have no reason. So what, what, what do you do? Maybe you get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube and the first thing everybody does is turn on ads. Well, you're screwed because right now you have no social currency. So if someone clicks on your video, they are a lot more likely to click out of it if they see an ad than if baby releases a video. If baby releases a video, people are like, they like baby, they know who baby is, so they're willing to watch ads to click on your, and to watch the video. But if you hit a thousand subscribers, congratulations, you did it. You want to collect your two cents, your two pennies. Right? You run ads. Now, I, I guarantee your listeners, your viewership is going to drop. Unless, I mean, obviously, this goes against, if, unless you're dropping consistent content, it's a different story. But if you, if you were at the same rate and you're growing at a normal level, you will see a slowing down of growth. Because you do not have that social currency. You do not have that leverage yet. And that's fine. You don't need to. So how do you get that social currency? How do you get that leverage? Right? The first and foremost thing is you need to be put in front of people. Pay for playlists, uh, you know. Um, go on, pay for ads. You don't need to pay for ads. You pay Instagram, Facebook directly. And it's done Macon well. I've also seen other artists within my label that have paid mostly for ads and they have done, to be honest, sometimes better than Macon. Okay? Like, pay for this stuff. So maybe what you should do, I hate to say this because this is the Mixing Music Show and I'm not trying to talk myself out of a job. 
But instead of paying an engineer, record yourself at home, make music that doesn't sound perfect, and instead of the uh, instead of using the money, instead of, like instead of using money to go to a studio, what you should probably do is then in turn use that money that you would have used to run ads or to get on a playlist or to make a music video. Which, by the way, I don't understand the concept of locals making music videos because who's going to watch it? Like, what are you relying on? If you make a music video, run ads on it. If you make a music video, please do not. The stupidest thing I've ever heard is local musicians relying on the algorithm. Do not rely on algorithms. Just because you release stuff doesn't mean it will catch on. You, you do, your target market is not your family and friends and then how many number of people support you on Facebook. That's not what it is. Your target market is beyond people that don't know you. People that don't know you at a personal level. People that listen to your music genuinely because they like it. And how do you reach them? To be honest, at a local level, I don't necessarily think that it's making a YouTube video, making a music video. I think that it helps a lot. And I think that when friends and family share, maybe somehow you make a fan or two because they shared it, whatever. But like at a local level, it's not really worth it. There's no social currency. There's no clout to it. You can't. Okay? So everything that you do, and you got to be, this is the one thing that's really weird about marketing, especially with music, is that I can't really talk too much in the sense that there's no right answer. There's absolutely no right answer. There's no, there's no do this, do that. It's more like get creative, get really creative. Let's talk about Wolfpack, my fa- one of my favorite bands, right? Wolfpack, this funk band, they've done so many creative things. They're known for being creative. Okay, first off, they were the ones that made that Spotify algorithm change because they released an entire album of... 30 second clips of 30 second one minute long clips of nothing like it wasn't even white noise of absolutely dead silent nothing and they told their fans to stream the album every single night and if they do then they can do a free concert because they made enough money from streams because they knew that Spotify had a 30 second 30 second listen counted as a play and if every song was only 30 seconds then they would have that many times more plays and if they didn't have to spend money producing any songs they figured it out and Spotify actually got mad at them um, and there's an entire interview where Jack Stratton, the leader, he uh, he he is uh, interviewed on TV, and he t- gets t- he's like under the uh, under the term uh, artist shan't make music is what it was is a joke, but um, it was it was absolutely crazy. It was awesome. Okay, let's do another thing. Jack Stratton also said how I made something ten thousand. Well, I forgot the exact number. I was like how I made thirty six thousand dollars on eBay or something like that, and he was selling this book. That book cost $30,000 on eBay. <laughs> so it's hilarious. That has a lot of social currency. You're like, yo, this guy wrote a book and it's so obvious. It's funny. It's like it's such a good idea. Like that got him fans. That made people that didn't know him like want to be around him. There's in the book, in Jonah Berger's book, there's in Contagious. One of the prime examples of social currency is there is a Philadelphia cheesesteak place that sells a sandwich with extremely rare ingredients, very expensive ingredients, and uh, they can buy a Philly cheesesteak for $130 or something like that at one of these shops. Now, that nobody, like, sure, some people might buy it, but the important part is that is now the restaurant that sells the $130 sandwich. Does that make sense? Like, people want to go there and know about it because that is the place where they sell that ridiculously stupid price sandwich. They want to go there. There's social currency. They want to take a picture. People want to take a picture. Right? Okay, at my studio, this is going to be so stupid and so simple. At my studio, it's I have a slideshow where I show customers, which doesn't work on a commercial studio, right? Because you don't want to necessarily show who you've been working with and stuff. But 
on a personal level, uh, people got to see who worked there. So there was social value of like, oh, like that was my friend. They get to see, I got to start a lot of conversations from the slideshow as well as a sign, a sign multiple places around the studio that they can take a selfie in front of and take a picture. And it's cool. And that's why a lot of businesses do that. The most common way people do that is if you've seen it all, like they, they graffiti wings on a wall. It's so stupid and way overdone, but that helps people take pictures of that location. Social currency, they have something that they take. You gotta give them, you gotta give your audience something that they can take. They don't, you don't wanna have them give time and effort. Like for example, like um, I, if you did something that was super cool, or if you did something that was super weird, or super random, that makes you stand out, right? We're, we've been talking about this, Young Thug, is an absolutely amazing rapper, singer, but I'm not gonna lie to you. And Go Crazy, the new song with Chris Brown is one of my favorite songs of all time. Like, I freak, it's genius. It's a genius of a song. But if Young, if young Thug rapped like a normal person, instead of that kind of stuff, I don't think it would've been as big. I don't think he would've been as big. It's, he's, it's so strangely beautiful. People like that sense of weirdness. People like they can't find this anywhere else. It's so unique and it's so genuine. Let's do this. It's it's absolutely amazing. So what do you do that is creating social value to your customers? How is how can you make it cool to know you? Every single time, every single dang time, someone introduces me to a new artist. This happened yesterday. Nelson, my Nels, my my producer buddy. He's on my songwriting team and my producer team that I have. He's like, yo, listen to this artist. This girl is, is like the first trans girl out of the UK and blah, blah, blah. And it's so, um, she's so amazing. And she's the youngest person to actually do this and whatever. And, and she had an entire story that he knew about it. It might have been a total rumor. It might have not been like totally true. But the point is, before he showed me her music, he told me her story. What is your story? What is your brand? And if it is very safe, Oh, we're this really cool band that's local and support us. Support local music. Boo to that. Nah, make me want to support you. You can be local and have social currency. Make me want to support you. What is your story? What do you do? How have you done it? What? What? Why should I listen to you? Right? I think those are questions that need to be answered first before you start putting serious money. I've seen so many at the same time, just unlike the opposite of Nacon. I've seen a lot of bands and a lot of artists local to me that have spent a lot of money on management or on advertising, on different things, PR, press releases, and it gets them absolutely nowhere because they haven't answered those last questions. What is your story? Why are you unique? Why should I ever listen to you? What is cool about you? Those are the questions you need to answer. And then we could talk about playlisting. Then we could talk about ads. Be confident. And how could you ever decide to be unique if you aren't confident in what you do? You can't be unique. You can't go out of your out of your safety, like out of your personal space. Like you can't leave the comfort zone unless you're really good at what you do. You've been practicing a lot. You're really confident. You get tired of normal, of safe, and then you start to take the step out of, out of the bounds. Like Nelson, Nels, my one of my best friends, right? This producer guy that I already brought him up. He is the he is an absolute genius. He goes on Splice all the day, every single day, and has the largest collection of the weirdest Splice samples ever. And they're horrible. And he's like, I'm just trying to make a really horrible, super horrible ass beat. And every single time he does, it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. 
I don't know how he does it. That, that, the samples that he used are not music. And somehow he makes it musical. There's an anime, I'm sorry to bring this up, there's an anime called Food Wars or Shokugeki no Soma, as they say in Japanese. And in the anime, the, this genius child chef and his genius chef father, they have this hobby of every once in a while making something that tastes absolutely disgusting and horrible. You know, I think it's like an outlet. Like you, can, if you're if you're not good at what you do, you don't have the tenacity, the you don't have the confidence, the bravery to do something weird. And sometimes getting weird is one of the best things that you could ever do. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going long now. So there's a lot more I could say about this. And you can always DM me on Instagram at DK Mixes. That's at D E E K E I Mixes. And you can ask me questions. Um, I love to, you know, message back and I love to send video, uh, sound, uh, vocal recordings if you, instead of typing things up. Please ask me questions. I'm not the king of it all, but I'm really excited. I think I'm going to have, um, one of, uh, her name is Sarah. Sarah Beitoff. She is in charge of the marketing for my little label and my little group that I have. And she's an absolute genius when it comes to media marketing as well. And, I want to have her on the show, and we want, I want to make this a topic that we dive a little bit more deeper in, but that's my initial thoughts. So I hope that you found some value in this, and I hope that we're going to talk more about this in the future, and I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Let me know what you guys think. So everybody, happy mixing, you know, and enjoy music, and stay saucy, my friend. One, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. The Mixing Music Podcast is proud to say that we have a lot of free resources outside of the actual podcast. Visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links to find access to our free PDFs and free resources.